Hey there. Thanks for taking the time. I'm Stacey Nonamaker, and this is a Supporters Toolbox. There are many times in our lives when we need to rely on others, an interdependency, if you will. I rely on someone to fix my car. I rely on someone to do my taxes. I rely on someone to fix my computer. These are all things that I do not have the skills to do. As supporters, we may play a role where we provide the support needed for someone to show up and engage in their world in the way they want to, like those of us who need a computer or need a car or need to pay taxes, but cannot do that independently or without support or help. But in these relationships between a supporter and the person they support, There's a need to ensure that there is attention paid to how these roles are kept even and balanced. When I was working on my dissertation, I spoke to many people who called themselves self-advocates. I was interested in understanding and sharing what things supporters could do to help them be more self-determined. Through the course of these conversations, I also heard a lot about what supporters did that posed a barrier to being self-determined. For example, Carolyn said that her family living provider threatened her to change her mind about moving out. Carolyn reported that when she told the woman about wanting to move, the woman responded by saying, if you move out, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. This is a classic example of coercion, an act that is purposeful or not, where someone may use their position of power to impose their views or persuade others to change their decisions. I learned that others have already thought about this and have identified two driving forces behind the use of coercive tactics by what others have called power holders. The first was called the belief of competence. It's driven by traditionally held beliefs that some people with disabilities are incapable of making competent decisions. The other was called reward structures, or where supporters may use coercive tactics to manipulate situations for their own benefit, such as making their job easier in some way. The point here is that in order for supporters to fully adopt a non-controlling posture of support, to make things more balanced in the relationship, we need to check ourselves and correct ourselves by becoming aware of our own motivations driving our actions. People like Shane Clifton, who is Assistant Director of Australia's Royal Commission for Violence, Abuse, Neglect, and Exploitation of People with Disabilities, and who also happens to have physical disabilities, talks more about this issue as related to supporters of people with high support needs, where there may be a larger focus on interdependency or a need for support. He states that in in these situations, it is even more important to pay attention to the dynamics of support and work on relationships characterized by closeness, empathy, mutual liking, trust, and rapport to enable a person to communicate in their own way their desires and to feel comfortable with their supporter to do so. For all of these reasons, we need to be in the business of teaching and encouraging objection, disagreement, 
essentially teaching that it's okay to not always agree with others. This is another form of autonomy or having control over one's life free from influence to the greatest extent possible. So sometimes it is as easy as teaching people they can say no. Sometimes it is as complicated as teaching people to say no. Meaning this may not be what someone has done before. They may have always followed your lead, but it is up to you to encourage them to say no or disagree. It is up to you to give them the opportunities to say no. And most importantly, it is up to you to react in a way that shows and tells the person that it is their right to not agree and it is their right to say no. How do we do that? I go to the business world where people like salespersons need to find strategies on how to engage with others who may say no, who may not agree, or may not just go with the flow. They say it starts with being respectful. In order to engage in a respectful manner that is productive, they encourage us to do five things. First, we need to prepare ourselves. That is, know when a situation may be something that someone may object to or disagree to. This way, you're setting yourself up to prepare your reaction. For example, you know that Janie doesn't like to do anything after she comes home from work given that she is usually and very few times agreeable to leaving the house in the evenings. But you also know that she has to get blood drawn sometime this week. Second, always agree with the objection. The most important first response is to show respect for and an interest in what others have to say. You can say things like, I see your point. I did not think of it that way. Or ultimately, it's your choice. For Janie, you can simply say to her, I understand you do not want to get your blood drawn tonight. Third, clarify or try to understand why they are saying no or objecting. There is always a why, and this is your moment to listen and learn. While Janie uses more gestures than words, here is where you use your understanding of how she communicates to ask her questions to understand why she does not want to leave the house after she comes home from work. If you do your job, you may come to the conclusion that she is tired after her long day and just wants to relax. We've all been there, right? Fourth, resolve and work through the objection or point of view that you haven't thought about yet. This may take some more respectful listening, asking questions, and more conversation. For Janie, she is very concrete, and she uses a calendar to plan out her days and weeks, perhaps using something she is familiar with to plan or show her concretely that she just needs to pick a day, maybe the nudge that she needs. And fifth, Find the middle ground. The person you support may also learn a thing or two that they didn't know when they made their choice. For Janie, this was us staying steadfast to what needed to be done, getting her blood drawn, but also 
acknowledging that she didn't want to do it after work by just showing that respect and working through it together. And it may get you there. And for Janie, it always helped to sweeten the deal to get her out of the house. Literally, I think sometimes she held out during these negotiations just so we would offer her a trip to get ice cream while we were out. So it's all about teaching and reacting. At the heart of that is both a good relationship and respect, two very important ingredients to all we do as supporters. Again, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. Hoping you took one thing away that can make today a better day for the person you support. Bye now.